The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 125 for the week of July 22nd, 2019. Alex, where have you been for the last couple of weeks? I've been MIA, Rob. I decided to to leave the country, get out of here. You know, I was... Uh, I was, I was being chased. I had to, you know, lay low for a little bit, but uh, but I'm back now. Yeah, considering your profile with the law enforcement, I think that was probably a good call. Yeah, you know, uh, things happen. It was, had a good time while I was gone. Yeah. Uh, glad to be back. Well, we did take off a week, which you know, pretty infrequent that we do that. Uh, I also was on vacation for a little bit of the time, but you you were the uh, the champion vacationer of the two of us. Uh, congratulations, welcome back to the United States. Thanks, and Rob. While I was gone, you also competed in a triathlon. I did. I did. And I completed it, which was, uh, that was success for me. So, uh, you know, got to check that off the, the bucket list of things to do. Cool. All right. Well, let's jump into, uh, our, the housekeeping stuff. We have a Slack channel and, uh, you know, duh, 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 duh. Uh, while we were gone, <laughs> uh, the Slack channel topped a thousand members. So if we leave again, will we get to 2000? Is that how it works? Or? I, I suspect that's gotta be how it works. Well, well let's go. Let's go. Um, let's, let's do that. So if you want to join the Slack channel and 1004 of our closest friends in the community here, uh, you can go out to colorado-security.com and click on the, the Slack link there and that'll get you in. Also on the website, we have a mailing list. If you want to get notified of our show notes, you can uh, sign up at the bottom of that at colorado-security.com. Get the email every week in your inbox with all of the show notes. And if you like us and you want to support us, we would appreciate it if you would rate us uh, on your favorite podcast listening app, maybe even subscribe so it gets delivered directly into your phone each week. We'd also love it if you told some other people about us. Uh, tell them about the podcast and the website, everything that we do. Uh, let them know how great uh, the security community in Colorado is and where they can find info at colorado-security.com. And I'm sure there's at least one of you listening going, well, yeah, I've done all that, but I just want to do more. I wish there was more I could do. Well, the answer is there is more you can do. Uh, we would love it if you would be willing to support us financially. The, the show is all um, going all about going back to the community. Alex and I have, have done a lot of this out of pocket. The Patreon campaign we set up it does help defray the cost of this. And if you're willing to contribute back, we'd, we'd love that. You can join the Patreon also on the front of colorado-security.com. Cool. Uh, one more announcement before we jump into the news. Uh, the CTA's Apex Awards have their nominations open now until August 2nd. So if you haven't nominated anyone yet, please go do that. There are tons of awards, including CISO of the Year, uh, CIO of the Year, Project of the Year, Company of the Year. Uh, lots of different stuff out there. So go check out uh, the CTA and the Apex Awards nominate the best folks in the area for those awards. I think there's also a student of the year, right? Uh, yeah, there's something, something like, like that. that. So yeah. it, there's, Educator there's of the year, I think. There's definitely educator, but then there was for young folks too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you'll only hear about this for, I think, one more week. So uh, you know, this is your second to last chance to, to get this done. Uh, let's go ahead and jump over into the news. Uh, while you were gone, another piece of news, Alex, the, uh, the Bureau of Land Management has chosen Colorado to be the headquarters for, for their, their department going forward. Yeah, I think that that is pretty cool. You know, this has been a rumor for a while. Uh, there was a, I don't know if you even want to call it a search, but there was 
a number of places that they talked about moving the headquarters to, and uh, Colorado was one of them, and it's going to be in Grand Junction. Yeah, so it looks like you know, not a huge number of jobs. Um, I've, I've actually seen a couple different things. This article we have uh, says 27 jobs going to Grand Junction. I've heard numbers up to like 80 jobs going to Grand Junction. Uh, regardless of what the exact number is, it's really important because it will be the director of the BLM. Um, the, the senior most people in the organization will be there. So we expect quite a bit of um, kind of supplemental, you know, additional jobs that would come out to the area in addition to those direct jobs. Yeah, that's what I would think also. Um, additionally, there's going to be 54 jobs that are going to move uh, to the federal center in Lakewood um, that are related to the, the BLM. But yeah, I think as you said, Rob, um, even it's just 27 that are relocating to begin with, I would imagine that there's going to be organic growth yeah. and, you know, people will get hired there yeah. uh, along with those 27. Well, you know, in a uh, kind of a normal piece of news for the political climate we're in, there was a big political dust up here in Colorado while you were gone as well. You know, um, I did hear about it from a number of folks while I was on vacation. Um, big, big news. Um, there's been a war brewing between Colorado and New Mexico over chilies. Yeah. So so apparently Whole Foods has, uh, has started to put the Colorado Pueblo chilies into their stores. And Governor Polis had a little shot across the bow at New Mexico from that, right? Yeah, because, of course, everything in Colorado is better. So uh, clearly the, the Pueblo chilies are better than the Hatch chilies from New Mexico. Um, and, you know, Governor Polis was just stating the truth. The, uh, the governor from New Mexico, of course, uh, thinks that their chilies are better. So if you want to go vote with your feet, go buy some uh, Pueblo chilies from Whole Foods. If you don't like them, that's fine to throw them away. But at least we can win the, uh, win the, win the war in the store. Uh, next, uh, Uber added a new uh, feature to their app recently in Denver that allows you to buy RTD tickets through the Uber app. And you can plan your essential, essentially your whole trip through Uber. So this was uh, surprising to me. Number one. I had no idea this happened. Number two, uh, Denver is the only city where this kind of feature is released. Uh, and number three, for me, I didn't know that you could actually buy RTD tickets on an app on your phone anyway. So I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to get the, I'm going to have to use the Uber app. And then I found out there's an RTD app. There is an RTD so, app. So this is even better because, you know, I'll get to the train like, you know, a minute before it leaves and I, I'm like, oh, am I going to get my ticket in time? And, and now I don't have to stress about that. Yeah. Now you can actually get on the train and hopefully buy your ticket before the, uh, the conductor comes through to, right. to check your ticket. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, also, in the article, they talked about how um, usage of the uh, the RTD tickets through the Uber app had actually increased uh, some of the ridership on RTD. So I think that's pretty cool, too. Um, so if you're looking into Uber and you're trying to figure out how to use this new feature, you, you can't buy the ticket until after you've like planned your trip. So you got to say where you're trying to go. And then once you're saying where you're trying to go, then it'll give you that option for getting those tickets. Oh, interesting. So I tried it out after looking at the articles. All right. All right. Um, so this was, this is super interesting to me. There is a Colorado company that has designed a brand new kind of airplane, uh, seat. Um, so this company here, uh, I'm looking it up right now, uh, Mola, it's Milan Lab Seating. Um, they've designed new seats that actually don't take up any more space in an airplane, but they give significantly more space for the people sitting in them. Yeah, that, it is pretty cool. And as somebody that just spent about 17 hours on planes in the last 24 hours, uh, having more space in the seat is a good thing. So the way that they did this is the... For the middle seats, they, um, I believe, moved it back slightly. Moved it back and down, right? Um, or is it up? Uh, I think down. Yeah. Eh, I don't know, whichever. Um, but so basically, it's it's setting you off of the, the same plane as the two people sitting next to you. So you've got a little bit more room for your shoulders. And they also had some innovative armrests so that you can, the middle person has a, a place for their arms and then the... Um, 
the people next to them have placed for their arms. Yeah, so by moving you backwards and down, um, they're able to get your your shoulders get a little bit more space because your shoulders aren't touching the shoulders of the person next to you. And that armrest, um, you know, you're the the person in the middle has the back part of the armrest, which is a few inches lower. And then the person in the on the sides has the the front half of it. And it's pretty obvious when you look at it, like that's where your arm would go. Um, it really does look like a pretty nice innovation. And of course. We're all wondering, is anyone going to ever use these things? Well, they're also cheaper from what they're saying to, to install. So there probably will be some airplanes that are interested in doing this. Seems like a pretty cool innovation to me. Uh, next, uh, this past week was Tube to Work Day in Boulder. This is a an annual tradition that they do in Boulder. And, uh, and Long Rhythm has been a sponsor of Tube to Work Day for uh, the last eight years. And they have around 100 employees that float down the river to their, to work. So from, from what I hear, it's a really cool experience. Uh, you know, you get to the community experience, right? Lots of different businesses in Boulder getting together. Um, unfortunately, from my questions, you don't actually get to the Boulder HQ by doing this. So so basically, you're, you, know, you go drive up the river, uh, you park somewhere, you go tube down, and then someone has to go get your car or you know pick you up and drive you back to your car, and then you drive yeah, to the office. Rob, details, details. But it sounds like a lot of fun anyway. Alex just spilled coffee. This is the first time in the history of the podcast that we've had a coffee down in the middle of the recording. Uh, no problem, though. I'm, I only have uh, minor burns. No big deal. A true professional. <laughs> gonna fight I will through. continue. Uh, next, we have a story here from Enzoic. Uh, we, they're the ones who had previously called Password Ping. Um, they have announced a new release of their password checking software that integrates directly with Active Directory. Yeah, so the plugin sounds pretty cool. It does uh, automated checking of your passwords, uh, keeping you in compliance with the new uh, NIST 863B guidelines for making sure that you don't have passwords that are compromised. Um, and it, it seemed interesting in that this it seems to be an, an ongoing check. I'm, I'm a little bit right. curious about how that they do that ongoing check. Um, but uh, so th- that's I think why they're integrated with Active Directory directly, so that they can see it before it turns into the hash or before it gets hash gets salted at the very least. Yeah. I mean the the way that I was reading it in the article, it sounded like they can even check later on after you've already set that password. If say your password becomes compromised later, if there's another breach, it can come back and tell you. I assumed it was during authentication time. So if it's actually happening, you know, just at rest in there, then they'd have to, that'd be weird. Right. Yeah. So that part did seem a little weird. The, um, the idea that they're getting to is definitely pretty cool. Um, maybe we'll have to dig into some details with uh, how it is that they actually accomplish that. But anyway, cool plugin. Yeah. Uh, CyberGRX has announced a new uh, part of their third-party risk management platform. They call it AIR, or the Auto-Inherent Risk Insights. Uh, what do you know about AIR? Yeah, so this sounds like a, a little bit of a triage feature that you can do. So CyberGRX is the platform for third-party risk management. Um, you know, They host the uh, the reviews of the different vendors that you might be using to, to determine what their risk might be. Um, and this error feature seems like sort of a triage function. So you can answer a few questions at the beginning, uh, figure out which vendors are most important to you to actually do the reviews on and also have sort of an immediate inherent risk score uh, that you can use prior to doing a, a full uh, review of that vendor. So pretty cool. Uh, next. Logarithm uh, launched a London-based data center for their cloud AI product. Uh, so this is just an expansion of what they are, they currently have to serve uh, their EMEA clients better. Um, they note that they have a, a number of clients there, and, and having this EMEA data center is going to 
provide a much better service for that cloud AI infrastructure. They are in Google Compute, so they're, they're not doing their own data center. They're using Google, which is uh, makes sense. I, I didn't know that they were a Google company. I would have, I would have guessed AWS. Interesting to know. Um, good growth for them. Obviously, they've been talking a lot about new services on uh, rather than just their software, and, and this looks like a step along, you know, moving that to a more global, wider, distributed model. So good for them. And uh, Sorry, go ahead. And then finally, uh, we have a blog from IntelliSecure talking about future-proofing your information security strategy. Um, yeah, we're a fan. Of, we're a fan of IntelliSecure. They're, they've been working hard on uh, really innovating around the um, DLP and, and what do they call? What's their their cap? Uh, critical asset protection program, right? Um, so this is really talking about how those two things change in the new world in a decentralized cloud first model. So if you're looking for those types of things, open up IntelliSecure's blog post here. Cool. So that is it for the news. Let's jump over to the Slack message of the week. And Rob, I'm going to pass it back to you since I've been on vacation for two weeks. I took a break from Slack too. I didn't check Slack for two whole So weeks. for two weeks, you've been a slacker. I have been a slack slacker. Yeah. So Andre Gata, uh, thank you very much for sponsoring this this giveaway every week. Uh, we, we definitely appreciate it. And you're helpful encouraging the community on this. Um, this week, we're going to recognize Evan Vale. Evan, congratulations. You are the 1,000th member of the Slack community. Uh, you joined while both Alex and I were out of town, so we didn't get to give you a thank you in person at that moment. But now you win the Slack message of the week. That, it's an awesome start. Awesome so you, start. So you're going to get one of the items from the Colorado Equal Security Store delivered directly to your door, uh, courtesy of Andre Gata. Thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. So let's jump over to events. Uh, we've got some good events coming up here in the next couple of weeks, uh, starting with... Uh, the Open Group is having their Open Group Denver event on the 22nd to the 25th. Uh, the Open Group is a, it's a standards organization. They're also the ones that uh, that have the uh, FAIR standard, the, the Factor Analysis of Information Risk standard, and so that's going to be part of that event. Awesome. On the 23rd, Denver IAM Group is doing their Summer User Group. Also on the 23rd, CSA is doing their July chapter meeting. 24th is a popular day. It starts off with ASIS doing their top golf event. Ooh. ISC Squared Pikes Peak is doing their July chapter meeting on the 24th. And also 24th, SecureSet is doing a diversity and cybersecurity expert panel. On the 31st, we are having the Denver Cybersecurity Conference from FutureCon. FutureCon. This is one of those vendor conferences. They are, I think it's downtown at the Ritz. Um, good opportunity to meet some folks, not super great content. Is there, is that slander? Can I get in trouble for saying that? I, you know, it's, it's an opinion. It's an opinion. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that they, we've been to those in the, in the past, a good way to meet some folks in town at least. Uh, also on the 31st in Colorado Springs, uh, AWS DOD immersion day. So if you want to learn more about AWS and their DOD offerings, there you go. Uh, and on the 1st of August, the NCC is doing one of their meet and greets. So if you want to know about the National Cybersecurity Center down in Colorado Springs, that might be your chance. Sweet. So zip over to jobs. There's a couple jobs at Ping that are available. I have um, a manager of product security position open, at least for now. And we're also hiring a GRC analyst. So uh, if, you want, if you're more experienced and you want to be in the product security area as a leader, that's an opportunity for you. And if you're just looking to get into security, a GRC might be the fit for you. We'd love to talk to you about that GRC role. Awesome. Nelnet is also looking for a deputy chief security officer. And they're, they're also hiring a cybersecurity enterprise architect. So a couple of leadership roles over there at Nelnet. Yeah, pretty cool. Deloitte is looking for an IT security policies and exceptions management, management manager. Uh, 
TaxJar is hiring a security analyst and administrator. Ooh. State of Colorado is looking for a program manager for cybersecurity. Trustwave is hiring a security analyst focused on, I don't know if SOC, I assume that they, this is Security Operations Center. That's what it probably I would the guess. SOC. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Arapahoe County is looking for a Homeland Security Planning Exercise and Cybersecurity Support Analyst. Wow. Gets the longest title of the week award. Congratulations to Arapahoe County, my home county. Uh, Metro State is hiring a cybersecurity lecturer. Zavello is looking for a uh, head of cybersecurity product strategy. The Department of Energy is hiring a chief information officer, a CIO for the Department of Energy here in Denver. Wow, that is pretty I cool. Uh, nice. And that is it for the jobs. Uh, so we're going to go over to our feature interview for the week. Who did we interview this week, Alex? Uh, we actually interviewed Beck Larson from Coal Fire. Yeah. Um, so I interviewed Beck before going on vacation. Um, and I actually wanted to make a quick note. Um, we had forgotten to discuss something before I uh, I finished the interview, and so she sent me a note after. Um, she wanted us to mention that she is looking for ladies in cybersecurity space to join her at Black Hat in Las Vegas in Austin to help draft a formal annual Women in Cybersecurity event sponsored by Coal Fire. So if you are a woman or know a woman that is interested in joining that conversation, pr- please reach out to her her at beck.larson, L-A-R-S-O-N, at coalfire.com. And just to clarify, that's uh, Black Hat in August. That is Black Hat in Las August. Vegas. Yes, did I? You said in Austin, oh, which is you know. cute because we hey. haven't mentioned Austin the whole yeah, hey. whole episode. Which Las Vegas in Austin, you know. All right, well, this is your first week back, so we'll cut you a little bit of slack. Uh, it is like uh, 3.30 in the morning right now in the, the time zone I'm accustomed to. So, <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and close out here, and we'll talk to you guys again next week. All right, thanks, Rob. This is Tim Coogan, Chief Information Security Officer of Denver International Airport. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security for Colorado Security Professionals by Colorado Security Professionals. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. Uh, this is Alex Wood, and this is our feature interview. Today I have a very special guest, Beck Larson. Hi. Hi, Beck. How's Hello. it going? It's going. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Uh, we just passed a, a big holiday weekend. Did you do anything fun? Uh, well, I took my rambunctious two and three-year-olds to a one of their little friends' birthday parties and nice. ru- let them run amok for a few hours. So that was fun. It's chaos, but it's fun. It's managed chaos. <laughs> um, you know, I always liked those things because it's uh, with that managed chaos. You know, going to a birthday party, it's like there's other people around to wrangle the kids. Totally. So like, you at least get a couple minutes to like, okay, go off and play with these other kids over there. Don't get into too much trouble, and I'll I'll relax for a minute. Totally. Or like their father will say, hey, hey, do you have a little one? Yes, I've got the little one. The big one's over there. Yeah, it's it's definitely a community effort. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. always good. Yeah. Um, so for those that don't know you, um, Beck, who are you? Um, well, uh, <laughs> I'm Beck Larson. Uh, professionally, I am the director of the Coal Fire One Scanning Services team at Coal Fire. Okay. Um, and I've been there for almost exactly five years. It'll be five years in August. Nice. Which I'm pretty excited for because I get a sabbatical and I haven't had a vacation literally in four years. <laughs> so I am really looking forward to figuring out what I'm going to do with my time off. I have no idea. Um, Let's see, so I've been running their scans uh, platform, owning that part of the business for since, well, since I was hired. Um, it's heavily uh, invested in the PCI ASV space, so a lot of compliance. 90% of our clients are uh, scanning with us due to compliance requirements. Okay. Um, I'd like to subtle brag and say we're probably one of the best uh, 
<laughs> ASVs on the market. We actually do have a couple of different shaders that set us apart from the rest of the ASV crowd. Um, and one of them is our uh, people and the services that we provide through my team. Generally, when you sign up for ASV scans, it's pretty much a point-and-shoot thing, and the client has to do all the work themselves. There's really no proactive reach out from the from the company that they sign up with. Our team's completely the opposite of that, and we actually are the only ASV, to my knowledge, these days, that offer full-service scans. So, nice. yeah, so a client can come to us and say we have like three people uh, that we can dedicate maybe 20% of their time every month to getting scanning done and we don't know what we're doing we don't understand PCI can you help and we say yes we can dear sir or madam uh, let us do everything for you as long as it's cleared by the uh, guidelines that the PCI council puts forth uh, the only things we can't do are their own remediation we can't get into their networks of course and uh, we cannot gather dispute evidence but other than that we can do everything else for them we pretty much handhold through the whole process so cool yeah so I really love my team. I have uh, five people uh, that report up to me, and we are a remote group, but we're really close-knit, and I also like to subtle brag about them all the time. It's not even subtle. I really like, like my team. We, we're all unique, unique, unique individuals, but we all get along really well, so it makes, it makes work a lot more fun that way. Um, and then Cool Fire as a whole, uh, you guys know what we do. We've been on the show before, not me specifically, but yeah. certain other people uh, within the labs group and just across the board have, have been on or at least been mentioned a few times. And You guys yeah. seem to put out a lot of blog posts lately, which is good. Yeah. It keeps us going in the news. Yeah, definitely. Well, scans especially, right? We just yeah. dropped our uh, new, released, I should say, our new uh, scanning platform. Super excited about that. It needed a facelift and a uh, back-end lift, I guess you would say. Um, the, we have a completely new, uh, robust, redundant uh, database, and on the front end, it's a lot more intuitive and easier to use. So, nice. yeah, we're still putting um, simplicity first, uh, but in regards to uh, scaling and capacity and being able to take on, you know, 100,000 endpoints at a, at a single scan, we can do that now, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Cool. Yeah. So clearly, you're an expert at scanning. Oh, but, yes. <laughs> but you, I'd imagine you haven't been doing scanning your whole career. So uh, how did you start in how security? Did I, wow. Um, it's, well, I've been in security for um, a little bit more than a dozen years. It, well, it depends on how you define security, too, right. and IT and all that. I have been doing scanning for a long, long time, though. But I'll, I'll give you the three-minute synopsis of college to now. So okay. let's see, the last 20 years. Uh, I went to Metro down in Denver when it was still a state school and not a quote-unquote university. Go Roadrunners. So, yeah, yeah, and super old school back then. Um, but they have one of the best aviation progr programs in the nation, so oh. I really wanted to be a pilot. Nice. Um, went for three years. September 11th happened my senior year. And got my private license and really wanted to, yeah, to recognize that. But the industry uh, didn't seem to take off after that, no, no pun intended. So um, <laughs> so I, sw I switched majors, believe it or not, to anthropology, and I graduated another three years later with a major in anthro, and I double minored in private piloting and elementary ed. So then I became a fifth grade teacher for five years. That was fun. I really liked it. The kids were great. I love 10-year-olds. They've got a certain snark to them that I, I vibe <laughs> with really well. Farts are never not going to be funny. Um, and then I, it's just the, I got burned out from that too, and, and just it's the same state as it is today. Our education system has a lot of flaws, and it's it's kind of a mess. I mean, it's, I'm not being too negative. I hope with it, or but it's just it just wasn't for me. I just I got real tired of.
trying to fix things and not seeing anything stick. So. Well, but you know, the the money that they paid you probably made it all worthwhile, right? Oh my, well, I was having to budget Taco Bell twice a month, so yes. No, I'm joking, no. Super sarcastic there. Um, that, no, I was even, I was about six months out from tenure and I just, I was, it was a real struggle to make ends meet too. Yeah. So from there, I still wanted, I've always had a drive to more of a blue team heart versus a red team heart. I always want to protect things, make the world a better place try to fix things. I take on too much constantly, but it's just my nature. Uh, after that, I went to a company that um, primarily dealt in uh, like OSHA security. So I would go on site to buildings and do like building inspections and make sure there's a water spigot every 10 feet on the ceiling or go do a kitchen inspection and write up a report on site and say, hey, you need to do this, this, this. Um, my territory was downtown Denver. I've, I've been inside almost every single de uh, building in Denver, including the morgue, which was interesting every month um, yeah. and then like high-powered law firms oil firms it's it, it, it was pretty cool that also though gets on you after a while and it was constantly on the road constantly traveling so I did a, a heart and soul check and I said okay what do I like what do I like to do I like tech I like math I like sciences let's get back to that and a good friend of mine uh, helped me get on at uh, what was it? it was a cable company that pulled a uh, time order time order cable uh, they okay. pulled out a while ago from the Denver market I started off on the phones, helping grandma and grandpa reset their router, and um, I actually really liked it. I like talking to people, believe it or not. Um, and I was just about to be promoted to supervisor, and then they pulled out of the market, and my entire building was laid off. Had, I mean, everyone from the janitor to the CEO was gone in 30 days, so. Wow. Yeah, from there, I went on to work for, I got lucky again, and or skilled, whatever. I'll, I'll say luck had at least a part, you know, partial play, a role to play in uh, landing my sock knock job at Lehman Brothers during the housing collapse, which was fun. Uh, saw a lot of interesting things, got a lot of exposure to official security and monitoring networks. That's how I met Rob, actually, so shout out to Rob Reck. Um, that was a fun job. I mean, I'm saying it in air quotes, but I'm also smiling about it. I know you guys yeah. can't see me, but it, it, it wasn't bad. Um, from there, I went to First Data and okay. got involved with the financial aspect of cybersecurity. Um, was on a development and uh, release team, got to review code, got to write code, and everything from QA all the way up through the cycles to prod. Um, and then like a super secret squirrel society cyber role opened up and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go for it. So I did. I went out and got my security plus. I applied for the job and it was to manage all of First Data's internal scans and uh, I got hired. And so the saga began. And the saga began, yep. And then I started having to badge in through, you know, double doors and got to sit with all the pen testers and I don't know, all these, it, it, was, it was just fun. Like it was, it, and it's still fun, you know? Yeah. So, and then uh, I did that for a few years and then Coal Fire found me through LinkedIn and said, hey, are you looking for a gig? And I'm like, actually, yeah. Because um, First Data, they go through a lot of rounds of layoffs. I'd survived every one, but man, it's a hard stop every time. So then I've been at Coal Fire and I've been, Pretty content ever since. Nice. Yeah. So. So uh, so it sounds like um, a good bit of your career has been scanning. Yes, lots um, of scans. <laughs> for people that are running scanning programs themselves, what what are some things that you can recommend? Best practices, gotchas, things that they should do, things that they shouldn't do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, would I was actually just going to start with just best practices and just knowing what you're scanning and using the tool that you're using. Uh, to the best of its ability. So if you're uh, using a web app scanner to maybe just scan, you know, a, a host of some sort, and it's not, if the tool isn't designed to scan the target that's intended, it's not going to give you the results you're looking for. 
and also uh, just know what you've got in your network. Understand how it's routed. Understand how it's connected. Understand uh, where the traffic flows because you may scan something uh, that may come back clean or whatever or manageable. I would say in the you know the risk tolerance, um, but then it might be connected to something that's filthy and you just maybe overlooked scanning it because it's not right. in your scope. Well, I think I, you mentioned the how it's routed and things like that. That's important too because. I did uh, security for an oil and gas company at one point, and to get to some assets, you'd have to hop over, you know, two or three different radio links, right? Mm -hmm. So you're talking about really, really low bandwidth links, um, and if you ever try and do vulnerability scanning <laughs> over those right. sorts of things, yeah. uh, it, it does not work very well. No. Um, you can easily take up all of the bandwidth on those links just doing the scanning. Yep. Um, and uh, and you're probably not going to get the results that you're looking for. So understanding right. the path that, that it's going on to is always a good thing because you don't want to disrupt your network just to get the scans done. Right, and actually um, if it's a scan for PCI compliance, we're technically not allowed to do that. If we are seen as disruptive or if we, heaven forbid, knock over a server. Now, work-wise, I can say we never have, at least not in my tenure, not that I've heard in a client's environment because we've tuned our scanners to not only agree with the compliance set forth by the council, but you know, we're just cognizant of what we're doing. Um, I will say, mm -hmm. though, the ASV lab, which we just found out we passed for 2019, so we get to live and fight another day, another year. Thank you. It's it's a, it's a beast of a lab. I can let you know how that goes, or how, if you if you'd like to know the details yeah. of how it's how it's run. Um, but yeah, within that lab, there's it's a specific lab that's set up with 30 hosts. Every single host on that network that they've set up in this um, this fictitious environment is it's 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 designed with failure in, as an intent. Uh, one of the hosts is super touchy to network traffic and speed of scan. So if, if you throw something at it that is intentionally, I wouldn't say as far as disruptive, but if it's like a hard-hitting scan and if it's got a lot of checks going on at the same time and you've, if you don't narrow the bandwidth down, you'll knock it over. So it's, it's one of those challenges every year that, you know, it's, it's there in that lab. So. And so this, the lab is set up by the PCI Council with, with standards for you that you have to, to pass to be able to, to be an ASV scanner? Is that how it works? So the ASV, uh, the, the PCI SSC uh, and their ASV division, I guess, for lack of a better terminology for them, they actually work with two outside um, assessment labs. Okay. Um, the one we typically work with is usually in Canada. They're wonderful people. They're they're sweet guys. Um, we've been working with them uh, just, and they randomly get assigned, you know. But yeah. I remember them most because I think out of the f five years I've done this, I've worked with them now three times. Um, and the other one I believe is in either Nevada or California now. Um, but they host the lab themselves. They have all the machines up and running while you're in your 22-hour window. So yeah, you are expected to be on site. Well, at least for our team, I, everybody comes on site. My team, we, we do our testing within our certified uh, ASV solution as we've had it uh, defined and submitted to the council for approval. Um, and, and, you, and you scan and you analyze results and you scan some more. And because of the nature of some of the routing and some of the, the network, uh, just weird idiosyncrasies within that environment, you do have to scale that scan back. So a scan that may normally take an hour on a healthy system, for an unhealthy system it might take six hours. But you want to be careful because you don't want to knock it over, you want to abide by right. the ruling and yeah. So it's fun. It's actually a lot of fun. Um, we see different things every year um, and we get to identify some really cool stuff that we typically don't see in realistic environments or even genuine environments that we see in our clients every day. So it's it's kind of a 
fresh breath of air every year as we take that test. So yeah, yeah. And, and so you have to do that every year to be um, certified still? Yes, that's yeah, yeah, that's part of the, so to be a certified ASV at a company level, you have to have two full-time, at least, ASV employees that are okay. also certifiable. Uh, side note, to be certified as an ASV, you have to have at least five years experience uh, that are comprised of either having your CISA, CISM, or CISSP, in addition to a year of pen testing, a year of scanning, a year of audit, and a year of network. Wow. It's a lot, yeah. So even finding the qualifications for the right person to be, even be able to do the job is sometimes a needle in a haystack. Yeah. But then the company itself also has to run and pass that lab, and they have to abide by the, I think it's like a 50-page document that they put out saying this is how you do things and follow these rules. So. Nice. Yeah. It's fun. It, I mean, it really is. It's, it's compliance, you know, so everybody, you say that word and people get a little dry mm -hmm. in the mouth, but I mean, it can be, but it's, it's there for a reason. It's there to make, you know, not to be cheesy again, but the world a better place. We, we need to have a baseline of standards to follow so that we can remain secure or yeah. at least take best efforts at remaining secure. <laughs> Do you see, uh, you know, for ASV in particular, I mean, that it has to happen on a regular basis. People mm -hmm. know that it's coming. They, they know that they have to pass those scans. Uh, to remain PCI compliant. Yeah. Do, do you guys, um, do you see people having problems? Is, is this? Maintaining that? Yeah. The, the frequency? Yeah. yeah. So industry best practice is you scan every month or right. and or after any major network change. So major network changes, as you know, probably because you've got a more extensive background in history than, or in history, history in security than I do. Um, they major network changes are expensive so they're generally they're rare right? right I mean so it's monthly is the best practice we advise our clients to scan at the beginning of the month if at all possible so that when your 90 day or 92 93 day period of that quarter starts you're up on top of exactly what's going on in your network at that given moment in time because we update our scanners every week yeah. there are zero days released all the time you know there are new vulnerabilities identified all the time and new checks added to the engine all the time so you will scan an environment, say, on Wednesday of last week, and then Wednesday of this week, it's, it's going to be, it might be a whole new animal. You never know. So once you have that baseline scan, you identify what you need to fix. You fix those things, the ones that you can't. You either prove that the scanner was wrong with a false positive and say, no, it's actually Linux, but you said it was Windows, whatever. Or uh, you have a compensating control in place to protect against that, that asset so that its risk doesn't, you know, spread to the rest of your environment. Yeah. So... Yeah, but people do. They struggle. They struggle in uh, making sure that they run the scans not only regularly, um, but minimum is quarterly per ASV guidelines, but then also making sure that they have a pass. So that making sure that they actually have a green pass, a green check mark saying we've done our due diligence, we've made it as secure as we possibly can per this right. you know, certified ASV. Um, what my team does, though, is if we notice a company or a client or even just an individual, whoever's out there that's you know subscribed to us, um, if we notice that they have not had a passing scan for two quarters, we will reach out proactively, regardless of whether or not you're a full service client, and we'll say, hey, uh, do you need some help? Is there anything right. going on here that we can help you with? Um, and, and sometimes, sometimes, and it's happened where um, we'll reach out and they'll say, yeah, we have no idea what's going on with our environment. We've had a lot of head turnover. We've, we, we don't know what's going on. It's fallen through the cracks. We need some help. We didn't know that you guys were actually scanning us. Right. No one was yeah. actually getting the results. That happens. Yeah. yeah. Like there just is so much chaos sometimes. And then we'll say, you know what, this is, this is unfortunate for you, but we're here to help. And actually we can extend services out to our SCOS team or our CRA team and uh, they can, uh, cyber engineering and other services, pen testing, they can come in and also assist the client with whatever they might need. 
Nice. Yeah, so one big happy. That's right. Yeah. Got to have our one big happy scan result. Exactly. Exactly. So, one big happy pen test result as well. That's you know. right. Yeah. That, that too. Yeah. Cool. So scanning is obviously not the only thing that happens at Coal Fire. Right. Um, what else do you guys have going on? Well, I report up through the labs division, so I know labs best of all, so I can, again, subtle brag about what we're doing there. Sure. A couple of the cool things we're doing uh, within our research and development group, and I believe, um, didn't you speak with Bryce Spiritual? Um, we did. What did uh, you think? It's been a couple of years ago now, but uh, we talked to him. He put out a blog post a while back about um, you guys going through a process to pay a ransom for someone. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that was yeah. a pretty cool article. We talked to him uh, about that back in the day. He is a super smart guy, yeah. super sweet, super fun to work with. Um, he's the lead of our research and development group. And yeah, that was that was a cool article. Um, uh, but basically, uh, right now, we are, uh, that group is focusing on experimentation. And I mean, that includes anything from exploits to automation to tooling, other, other fun things that can go within that realm of um, development and our current initiative is focused on the Internet of Things and Ooh. it's yeah and so right now we um, we've acquired a 3d printer that is internet connected uh, we've found <laughs> vulnerabilities on it um, and there I can't share too much about it but you let, let your mind wander with that um, and then uh, we've extracted them we reverse engineered the firmware we've gotten the firmware back onto the platform through those vulnerabilities and uh, we are trying to set it on fire Sweet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish you guys could see Alex's face right now. His eyes just kind of lit up, and he has this smirk on his face. And that's what we do, too. We, we watch this thing in action. It's like, all right, this is neat. Um, so by the end of this week, though, we are trying to get the printer to set itself on fire, but we've uh, been able to get it to melt itself, but no fire yet. So we're still let's joke cracking up the fire thing. And we're doing this as a proof of concept, highlighting some of the dangers of internet-connected devices. So, and it's, you know, that's a big thing. It's, they're being developed quickly, and I'm sure you know development cycles. Development is about production and getting things out fast, and fast doesn't typically relate, you know, relate itself to being secure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty neat. So that's a, that's a fun thing that we're doing. Nice. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, have you guys um, even just taken the simple steps of, of scanning those things to see how fragile they are? Oh yeah, that's that's like generally the first thing that, yeah. that anyone does. And um, and I, people should know, I'm hoping, what a scan is versus a pen test, but just real quick, my house analogy is, um, if I were to stand on the sidewalk and take a snapshot of your house just with a camera, I would be able to see instantly, like you've got your front door and you've got a window, and the easiest way inside was to, is to take a brick and toss it through that window and I could get in. Now, yeah. if your window has bars on it, it's a little bit less easy. If your door's got a deadbolt lock, it's a little bit less easy. What a pen test does is it identifies those same vulnerabilities and then it exploits them. So they right. actually will throw the brick or they'll pick the lock and then they'll get in. So, so yeah, so generally a scan is, again, you've got to match the tool to what you want your output to be. You've got to match what you want to see like in the report that comes from the scan based on you know what your intentions are. But yeah. yeah. I, I've seen that things that are internet connected but are not computers are generally pretty fragile. Yes. When, when they come to you, you know, automated poking. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'd well, imagine that those those printers probably have a hard time and, and maybe just fall over just from things poking at it. I, I would I would bet so. And if, you, if you're lucky enough to get Bryce back on the program, I'm sure he'd be happy to disclose some of the uh, 
the information around that. I know that there are, we're going to do um, a public demo of this also, of Ooh, this nice. printer in August. So um, we're going to come on that. I, I'm not. Is, it, is that part of Black Hat DEF yeah, CON festivities? I, I believe so. I believe so. I, th I think they are going to overlap. I'm hoping so because that would be yeah. really cool to do. Um, but yeah, we're going to Black Hat again this year, uh, as we do every year. We've uh, been there for, uh, let's see, just, well, forever. Um, and we're doing another avant-garde booth with a lock picking demo and a challenge, similar to last year, but better and bigger this year. Um, and then we're also holding our adaptive uh, penetration testing course for eighth year running. So um, we've moved our entire uh, platform to support the adaptive penetration testing uh, course to the cloud. We used to have to haul around this giant server box, actually two server boxes, and make sure it would show up like in London or you know <laughs> wherever, and then make sure it all was connected. But now we've got it moved to the cloud, and so yeah. it's a lot easier. Everybody's moving to the cloud anyway, so that's where our course is now living. Um, and we're, uh, let's see, featuring tools built by our R&D team as well as others and um, other things that are also popular in the industry right now, um, like Bloodhound, CME, and Empire. And also, one of the tools I want to throw out um, some recognition to Brad Wordward. He developed a password cracker called NPK. It is um, a built on cloud platforms and it helps manage the cost and scalability of cracking uh, passwords. Uh, so yeah, um, it's 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 pretty awesome. Brad's another one of those just insanely intelligent, wonderful people that we've hired. Fun to work with, great guy, and he makes really cool things. Yeah, so, yeah. But I'll be there um, along with I believe seven others. I'm a, a backup uh, instructor for the the pen testing class, and and it'll be a lot of fun. Cool. Do you know is there still availability for that class? I know that the training at Black Hat usually goes pretty fast. Yeah, I. So word around the water cooler when I was in the office, I think a little over a week ago, was that it had sold out. However, okay. I know that the current debate was, let's let's add some more, you wow. know, let's right. add some more chairs to it because right. I know it sold out in I think it sold out in London last year too. Cool. So yeah, yeah, it's a cool course. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you were talking earlier about how you uh, your scanning service, uh, you guys recently redid a lot of that. Yeah. I wonder if you wanted to talk about that at all. It sounds like um, it is now much more robust than it used to be, and maybe the process you guys went through to to get that done. To yeah. get that done. So yeah, I mean, the the scanning tool itself, um, it used. To, I mean, it, it it worked. It was functional. It is was, this totally internally developed? Or? I, totally. Yeah, it's completely yeah. proprietary. Um, in, in full disclosure, and everyone knows this if you've you know been keeping a pulse on Rapid Seven and Colfar, we've been partners in the ASV scanning space. Um, for the last three years, and we've actually used Nexpos as our backbone uh, scanning engine for years prior to that. So we have a pretty close business relationship. They're wonderful people too. Um, talk with talk with our folks over there um, pretty much weekly, almost a couple times a week. Um, but yeah, so we use that as our background. The uh, the scan tool, Coolfire One platform, is a wraparound UI, and it has a lot of the same features that Nexpos does. But again, with 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 compliance in mind and simplicity in mind for pretty much our average user, they don't want to have a million ways to tune a template. They don't, they don't really want to dig through uh, you know, 100 different types of reporting. Right. They come in and they say, I need my attestation of scan compliance, I need to scan these specific targets, find out these specific vulnerabilities, and go. And that's what our tool allows us to do. It's um, it's a lot prettier, like I was saying, uh, this uh, with this release, and it's uh, it's a lot more intuitive. Um, it does have more options, but it's not an overwhelming amount. 
and it's got a lot of really cool new features as well. There's dashboarding at play, there's uh, a lot of widgets, there are reminders that you can set, There you can tune specific templates and projects so that you can pick and choose your targets that have been scanned to add to your attestation. And again, this is all within the bounds of the yeah. guidelines set forth by the council, but nice. it's pretty neat. And if, if anyone listening um, wants a demo or wants to have their own trial account created, uh, get in touch uh, with Coal Fire. Just go to coalfire.com. If you search for scanning, you're going to find the Coal Fire One Scanning Services Teams page. And right on that landing page, um, you'll be able to see all of our literature, all, all of our release releases, all of the marketing material we've put out there, um, literature on our other proprietary device, the Lighthouse so you can do internal scans. And then there's a sign up box on the right hand side. It's right above a little screenshot of uh, the Enterprise Security Weekly interview that I was on with Mike Weber back in early April. Cool. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. So if you would like a trial account, just reach out to us, we can hook you up. Do you guys do um, more general scanning too, or is it only ASV scanning? So 90% of what we do is ASV. And so per the PCI guidelines, you have to do external scans through an ASV right. if, if you're yep. required. Now it's also required that you do internal scans, but you don't necessarily have to do that with an ASV. You can do it yourself. Generally though, if, if clients are in such a way where they're, they're like, I just don't know what to do. Let's just push a button. Let's get it done. We can help them. We can do all of that for them. And then we can run their internal scans as well. Um, and now we've also expanded our Lighthouse capabilities uh, to the cloud as well. So if you've got an Azure uh, or you know uh, Amazon space, we can utilize that as well to scan your environment. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We're expanding a lot. Um, I also noticed the last week or two, you guys had a, a press release about partnering with Qualys, I think, yeah. on, uh, it was for FedRAMP stuff. For FedRAMP stuff, is, yeah. Is that that they are FedRAMP certified and some other solutions you have or not? Is that the? Correct, yeah, there's, there are some pretty stringent, and I won't say nitpicky, but I kind of mean nitpicky details mm -hmm. when, um, let's say you're a client who needs FedRAMP um, sign off, right? Yeah. Uh, you, we want to partner with someone that actually is quote unquote certified instead of just, you know, you know, like, hey, you are okay. You can use this FedRAMP template, but right. you're not an actual certified company. So, yes, we did partner with Qualys on, on that front for the FedRAMP uh, certification and their tool set, um, but that's not to say that we have counted out anyone else in that same space. So, um, if Rapid7 someday decides to become FedRAMP certified, they'll also be added to the list. So, um, yeah, but that was a pretty cool thing that we pushed forward uh, the other week. Nice. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, yeah. We're getting close to the end of time. Oh, sure. Um, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Oh, man. Uh, not that I can think of. We've we've been chattering for a long <laughs> time. Uh, no, um, not that I can think of. Awesome. Well, yeah. uh, it's been great talking to you. You I, too. I, I appreciate you uh, reaching out and, and volunteering to, to come on the show. Certainly. Um, and I, I know we're going to try and get a few other of uh, the interesting coal fire folks on as well. Definitely. Yeah. Th and that, that doesn't mean that you're not one of the interesting coal fire folks. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I included myself in, yes, in that circle. You're in the interesting yes. group. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave the non-interesting people for some other time. Yeah. So. <laughs> They're probably interesting too, just in a different way. That's right. right? Everyone yeah. is interesting in their own way. Right. Exactly. Good, well, good cool. save there. Good save. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thanks, Beck. Yeah. Thanks, good, Alex. Good talking to you. I, yeah, I likewise. appreciate it. Thanks for coming down. And uh, this has been Colorado Equals Security, and we will talk to you next time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado Equals Security.
Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.